0: Hi, I'm Kara Swisher.
1: I'm Peter Kafka.
0: And thanks for listening to Recode Replay. This is one of the sessions from our 2017 Code Conference.
1: We're going to let you hear it in just a second for free. You're welcome. But before we do that, we want to plug another conference.
0: Okay, fine, if you insist. I
1: must, I must. You must Um, insist. If you like this event, there's a very good chance you're going to like Code Media, 2018, February 12th and 13th in Huntington Beach, California.
0: 2018, I can't believe it's next year. Next year, absolutely. Save the date. Peter and I will both be there, which means it's going to be a fantastic event. I've been to all of them, and I have learned things. I would actually pay for them, Peter.
1: We may charge you this year. Uh, one more time, that's Code Media 2018. It's like this event, but it's in 2018, February 12th and 13th. Go to events.recode.net for all the deets, as the kids say.
0: As the kids say. Thanks, Peter. See ya. So, um, next up, we're going to be doing a great interview with someone, before I drove Travis Kalanick and Marissa Mayer crazy, I used to love to drive this guy crazy, Um, and he's very kind to be here, I'm not sure why, but he seems relaxed and retired, Um, but first I want to introduce Kurt Wagner, who's going to come out and do the interview with me, because I know nothing about sports, so Kurt, come on out. Okay, uh, Kurt covers uh, social media and other things for us, and he's fantastic. Thank you. You look great.
2: All the sports I've been watching my whole life finally Finally paying off off. right here. Right,
0: exactly. I literally, as I always say, I'm the only um, lesbian in America who knows nothing about sports, (laughs) so it's good to have you here. Um, I really do. He really hates sports <laughs> um, so but but I don't I like sports Steve so um, we're bringing out uh, Steve Ballmer. obviously he was a longtime CEO of Microsoft now he owns teams he owns Twitter, he does philanthropy and he is telling us how the US government works and a bunch of other things so Steve Ballmer, come on out
1: oh, no, Have a seat. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Good music choices.
0: Thank you. (laughs) Um, So can I yell? Like I can't do
1: that. You you do what you do. What do you
0: do? Is it from the gut or what?
1: Uh, I actually had to have vocal training to get more. Did Gut you? breathing. Yeah. Really? Yeah, what, I, did.
0: I, I noticed you're taking those skills to the games that you're doing. I've noticed a couple of.
1: Yeah, I don't have my voice trashed as often as I used to. All
0: right. Well, so let's start. Let's start talk by talking about this USA Facts. We're going to get to sports and Twitter and other things. But why are you doing this? Now, explain what you're doing, and then you're going to show us some of the some of the examples of it. But like, if I was one of the world's richest people, I wouldn't go. I think I'll explain the U.S. government. So, what 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 prompted you to do this?
1: Well. Uh, I would say, right after I retired, my wife said, okay, dude, it's time to get involved in our philanthropic stuff. Mm-hmm. I was maybe a little tired. I thought retirement was retirement. And I said, you know, and my wife has, has been focused on kids in the U.S. who mm-hmm. grow up essentially having no shot at real mm-hmm. opportunity. Right, cool. And I said, look, the, all we need to do is pay our taxes. Mm-hmm. If we pay our taxes, uh, the government really focuses in on the poor, the young, the sick, you know that's that's what we should be doing and I didn't get a very warm response from my wife about that okay okay, uh, I'll throw in with you but then it made me really want to ask the question how much does the government do for kids in need Mm -hmm. and it was almost impossible to find the stuff right and at the end of the day I I think what I said to my wife is fundamentally right many problems you have gotta get government reformed philanthropy can't fill in the holes but you got to understand government to get there, and I started around, looking around for the equivalent of a 10K, because that's how I used to orient myself right. to our competitors when I was, was working, and couldn't find anything like it, and I just, I liked numbers, I kind of got amused, it sounded a lot of fun, and, and it has been, actually. You, you seem pretty
2: happy in retirement, but do you have any political aspirations of your own? Like, is this a,
1: do you love politics, or did you just like numbers? Uh, no political ambitions of my own. Zero, nada, none.
0: Okay.
1: Uh, I love, I do love numbers. Yeah, Sorry. but Did you
0: think about it a little bit after this election that you could have possibly?
1: I, every, no. <laughs> I'm thinking
0: every rich guy is thinking this, like, yeah.
1: <laughs> this rich guy likes to think about his basketball team a whole lot more right, okay. uh, than, you know, being in politics, that's a pain in the neck job, I think. Right, okay. It's sort of the worst sales job in the world from my perspective. All right. Uh, No, so what I said was, how do you really understand what's going on? Mm -hmm. And dug in, find some numbers, and as we were going along, it said, look, I think this might be interesting to some other people. Frankly, I was surprised how much interest there was. Mm-hmm. Uh, we only have two full-time people. Now we're trying to hire because a bunch of people want this data, that data things that we're gonna get to so in the So you have two future.
0: full-time people, but you had a lot of people crunching on.
1: Contra- we have a lot we have a web development front end, our back-end technology is done at the University of Pennsylvania, we have outside writers, et cetera. But we need a few more staff just to keep up for the kinds of things, data that people want to see, currency. Take take the president's new Uh, proposals on budget and tax. Mm -hmm. We're not going to do any forecasting. That's CBO, JCT, but we would like to say, okay, here's the history, Mm -hmm. and here's the proposal, and then let's let people take a look at the proposal in the context of the history. Some people say, yeah, that's possible. Some people are going to say, ah, that'll never happen, Mm -hmm. and then it can be kind of debated, but put it in context with the numbers of the past.
0: Well, doesn't it sort of beg the question, shouldn't the government be doing this?
1: The government should be doing this. I absolutely, I mean, companies are forced to write their own 10Ks and they are supervised by uh, the SEC in doing that. And yes, do I think government should? But government's not organized that way. There's nobody who manages federal, state, and local. Yet, if you look at how kids get educated, uh, it can be it, local funding, and at least in our state, there's district funding, there's state funding, there's Title I dollars coming from the Fed. It's not even clear which branch of government might create such a thing.
2: Is there anything that you aren't compiling that you expect to or want to?
1: Oh yeah, a ton ton of stuff. We have nothing in there today about outcomes in each state. Mm -hmm. So we don't have, for example, reading proficiency in California versus so-and-so versus so-and-so state. We'd like to have information. We don't have the individual state budgets. We amalgamate everything. We'd like to do things uh, at the state state level. the numbers are changing all the time we have a lot of work just to keep up and the government doesn't like update all of its numbers at one time the way a company would so there's actually quite a bit of machinery involved in doing that we didn't really finish the 10k <laughs> there's some sections where we wrote more to come right. because you know in a 10k you have to do driver analysis you know, sort of quantity times price. In this case, it's how many people served at what cost per service, that kind of thing. We didn't get all the data we needed to assemble to do the driver analysis. Now,
0: you're going to show us some stuff, but who do you want to read? Who is reading this? Like, I, you know, I, I get like half of Washington might be interested in it, but why do you want to do this? Because I think one of the problems with this country is most people don't know a lot about anything about their government.
1: I told I told our folks when we were working on this, our target should be the kind of people who would read. The New York Times, the Wall Street Journal. Um, Over time, I'd like that to be broader. I certainly didn't want to do this just for policy wonks, Mm -hmm. uh, although I hope it's a good resource. Mm -hmm. I hope it's a good resource for journalists to put things in a little more accessible form, but I wanted it to be uh, readable, not the 10k itself, Mm -hmm. just like normal people don't read corporate 10ks, but I'd like at least the quote annual report and the website to be readable by the same kind of people who would read the Times or the Journal and then we'll broaden out.
0: How do that. you avoid politics then? Because everything's politicized. You're, like, you're entering this era with abs- like, alternative facts. This is not true. If you say something, what does Steve Ballmer think?
1: Uh, I think this is possible not to be politicized because numbers are not political.
0: Well, they could be.
1: I will assume things are accurately reported, mm-hmm. uh, and I, there's not a political process. I actually do believe we have good bureaucrats in place who do their best in professional work to bureau of labor statistics the census bureau the bureau of justice statistics we use about 70 different sources that's not a political process and if it ever did uh, i'm not going to be partisan in what we do in usa facts but i am partisan for the facts themselves right and the facts better come out they better be reliable they better be able to be trusted to be accurate hopefully over time some of them will comply with generally accepted accounting principles, so they're not quite as hard to understand, but...
0: So you uh, don't think this could get political for you?
1: I, I, will, you steadfastly, know, right now- I will steadfastly uh, refuse to let it be political for me with two exceptions. Okay. Number one, I'm a business person, and the notion of running deficits for all time, it's just, it's just not in my blood. I just okay. don't understand how anything can run a deficit I understand how you can carry debt. I don't I just don't understand how you, you run a deficit for, for all time. That's and I'll and I'll I'm not going to preach on what should be done, because you can raise taxes, you can cut expenses. I'm not going to preach on that, but I do think budget should balance. And then the second thing on which I, I think is every kid in America deserves an opportunity to advance from where their parents were economically. I think that's an important thing and I will, and in our philanthropic work, we will stand up for things that we think are important on the, in that dimension.
0: All right, let's see this very quickly, then yeah. we're gonna get to Twitter and some other things you are yeah. been
1: doing. So let me just, I'll bring up just a couple things. These are a couple of
0: uh, slides, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. right here.
1: Slides from the, from the is site. Is that a
0: surface you're using?
1: This is a surface I'm I using. I thought so. <laughs> shocking that this is a surface that yeah. I'm using, isn't it?
0: Yes, I know. I remember when you brought your big-ass table surface here. That was nice. <laughs> I did. I
1: forgot. That was my last five years. That's embarrassing that you brought that up. I know. Yeah. It was- <laughs> Thank you very much. I knew you'd embarrass me at least once. I just didn't think that would I be the time I didn't want to let you down,
0: Steve, so go ahead.
1: Okay, so this, this is uh, one of the um, um, charts that we use all over yep. the site. We essentially show you where Uh, revenue comes uh, for the government. So you say, here's total tax revenue. People miss the fact that there's a bunch of non-tax revenue Mm -hmm. that shows up as well, fees, uh, uh, gains on portfolio. And then here you can see the breakout of specific tax types, Mm -hmm. individual income tax, property tax, payroll tax. So
0: where the revenue's coming from. Yeah,
1: and I think a lot of people think everything's up here in individual income taxes, because that's what's in the newspaper. Mm -hmm. Truth is, that's not the only thing that is important. Uh, the discussion in the press, you'd probably think corporate income taxes are a bigger percentage of the total than they are.
0: No, I just think they should be, but go ahead.
1: Okay. Everybody to their opinion. <laughs> All right. Payroll taxes. Payroll taxes, to me, are very interesting. Everybody who works pays them. They don't get to discuss much. Uh, that includes the match from the employer, which is a big deal, and they cap out at $110,000 a year of earnings, so they're, they're truly one of the more regressive taxes, and I'm not saying regressive, progressive. I'll oh, silent on that, but it just doesn't get the discussion that you think it might, given its importance in our tax.
2: you're your pol- this is all public data. You're just yeah, all we're. I think this is porn- all
1: Bureau of Economic Analysis. <laughs> but in every part of the site, we will tell you what the sources are and, and how we use them. Let me, let me let me flip to one that might be a little bit more uh, uh, more interesting. Uh, this is a slide, and this uh, takes government data, and we do some statistical joining of databases so that we can. Put things together. Let me explain what we have here. On the left, in the year 2000, these are all adjusted for 2015 dollars. We show you what it took to get into the top 1%, the top 20%, t- fourth 20%, etc. We show you the same thing in 2015. Here are the numbers. We show you kind of where the money comes from. How much uh, is market income? how much is transfer payments from the government, what total income looks like, and then what people pay in taxes. Mm -hmm. You can see here in 2015, the top 1% pays 24% of taxes, 65.7% is paid for by the top 20%. Okay, that's the orientation of what's here. Now let's take the interesting thing about this. You you hear a lot about how the middle class is doing. The middle class to me is a crazy notion. Mm -hmm. If you go get a book and say, what is the numeric definition of the middle class? There isn't one, so I say, okay, what is the definition from a math guy's perspective of the middle class? Well, it's the people who earn in the middle. Right. So I just said, let's look at this by quintile. I mean, it, it sounds stupid, but that's not how it gets used yeah. typically in, okay. in dialogue. So you can see here, between 000, Sorry, dropped the pen. Between 2,000 and 2015, used to take 673,000 dollars to get in the top 1%. Takes 711 now. Used to take 110. Now it takes one thirteen. So obviously, in constant dollar, people in those uh, income brackets are moving up. Now, if you look here at the middle twenty percent, it used to take thirty-seven thousand to get in. It now takes thirty-one thousand. They're poor. Less.
0: Yeah.
1: Less. So the people in the middle are less have less in constant dollars than they did in the year two thousand. And you can see that up and down the chain. The top twenty percent people say are better off. This dimensionalizes how much better off the top 20% are. The next 20% down, pretty much the same. And then you start to see down here the fall off. And then the bottom 20% is very poor, was very poor, remains very poor. And most of what this is market income, most of what the bottom uh, 20% lives on are these transfer payments from the government. Right.
2: And are you presenting this to anybody besides us? Like, are you going out and... www.usafacts.org. It's out there for every, look.
1: And some people look at this thing and say, you know, this is a political statement. It's not a political statement. It's, some people will say, wow, look at this. 24% of all taxes are paid by 1% of the people. That's, that's too much. Some people will say the middle class is getting hollowed out. That's bad. So it, it doesn't say where you should be on that spectrum. But it, uh, hopefully we don't let people get away with just snatching a number, making up their shenanigans, and moving on. Yeah. This is correct. This is what the government data says. Now go have a discussion about how this should change with uh, respect to all points of view. But don't, don't fool us with the numbers. Right. Don't screw around with the numbers. Because
0: they never do that. All right. Speaking of, we're going to switch gears to sports yeah. and your investment. That's fascinating, actually. Uh, I think it will get politicized, though, sadly. Um, Twitter why did you start investing in Twitter? And you've recently said... You, ha-
2: you have, what, 4% still? Or have you sold since sold or bought since...
1: I made the magical decision. This is back when I thought I was a real investor. I thought, oh, maybe you know, in retirement you say, oh, what am I going to be now? And <laughs> when I went through this, I'm going to be in investor phase. And I'm out of that phase, for those of you who might be looking for money. I'm not in that <laughs> phase at all anymore. Uh, but when I was in investor phase i took long and said look i own four percent i made a point of that i'm silent on what i own of microsoft twitter or anything else other than the clips at this stage Uh, and you know it's there's it's an amazing asset as uh, dean was sitting here uh, doing his interview twitter was prominent in a lot of the things that he had to say i think there's a real opportunity, I don't see it linearly and exactly, to make that a valuable economic asset.
0: All right, because re- being relevant and being a business are two different things.
1: They are, they are different. Mm-hmm. They are different. We'll see which, one, the, which way this goes. Dean was talking about local newspapers might be relevant, but might not be a business. Uh, I still have uh, a lot of money into the concept that says there is an opportunity to make it into a real business, and, and, and in general, I'd say I'm proud to be associated with the asset and the company because I think there's so many good things that come out of that kind of real-time information, and whether you agree or disagree with anybody who's tweeting, it gives people a chance to communicate directly with the people they want to talk to in the world. Do
2: you, do you talk to Jack or anybody at Twitter? Like, are you active in your investment?
1: I was doing a quarterly call, not active, but just as an inve- large investor. I stopped that. As soon as I decided uh, my business is not investment, uh, the only thing I really focus in on a close basis now uh, is my Microsoft uh, shares.
0: But you, but, w- I'm going to just stick on Twitter just for a second, but you still own a large percentage. You, yeah. I still a, own a large, big large big big big. And do you, Did you try to buy it when you were at Microsoft?
1: Uh, we never tried to buy Twitter when I was at Microsoft, no. Okay. No. Um,
0: and, but right now, you did comment just recently that he shouldn't be at both companies. Correct?
1: Yeah. No, I, look, come on. Being a CEO is a hard job. I mm-hmm. can speak to that. And being a CEO of two things I can't, I can't even imagine. Right. Now, when you're a retired guy, you can be kind of half involved or a third involved in a lot of things. Right. You can't do that if you're really going to do the right job for your shareholders.
0: So what do you imagine is going to happen there? What do you hope?
1: Hard to, hard to predict. You mean for the business or for Jack? Jack, for I think eventually will end up picking one or the other. And I think the business over time uh, will either get sorted through or it'll be sort of an appropriately valuable asset for somebody to buy. That's been much speculated about. But it's hard to deny it has an important role. So the question is, is there somebody who can better monetize Twitter than Twitter as an independent company who wants to go do that? And we'll have to wait and see. Do you would, know? we we'll go ahead. Well, I was going to say, would you invest more if Jack picked one or the other? Would it? I'm out of that investor business thing. So You're done. No I'm, more I'm back, I'm back to bonds and index funds and Microsoft and, of course, the Clippers.
0: Clippers. All right. Okay. Let's why, get-
2: why don't you tweet? That's my one last question on Twitter. You you have an account. You're a big investor. You don't tweet.
0: And you're so shy.
2: I think you've tweeted thirty times or something.
1: Yeah. No. I, I, look. I started tweeting frequently during our first basketball season, and I just wondered how many times can I say, "Oh, great game today! Whoa, somebody played well!" Oh shit! I don't want to be that guy. And and I stop. And it's not. Like, you know. I think on USA Facts you'll start to see me tweet more, but it'll be about the numbers, again, not political point of view. I want to have something interesting to say. Uh, If I'm going to tweet something out, it better be sort of semi-interesting and not just "Ah." (laughs) (laughs) That also, by the way, is the music we play every time Chris Paul makes a basket. Okay.
0: (laughs) All right, on that subject. Sports. sports.
1: You have something to show us. Yeah. Yeah, let let me, let me. Walk us through it. People ask a little bit, Okay. What about tech and sports? You're a tech guy and you're in sports. Yeah, I think there's such an opportunity to change the way people experience sports by using technology. When I, when I first started with the Clippers, I wanted to see all the analytics stuff, right? Because I'm a numbers guy and a computer guy and blah, blah, blah. And I go see this, this, these guys. Uh, Rajiv, I think, is here, who runs a company called Second Spectrum. They do the analytics software. And Rajiv and his co-founder... They are computer science professors from USC, and their background is machine learning and computer vision. Mm -hmm. Uh, Analytics guys? Mm -hmm. And they explain to me what they've really done is built a machine that can recognize and understand the game of basketball. There's six cameras in, in the ceiling in every NBA arena. You take the feed. They can recognize what's going on in the game, what players are where, where the ball is, where the ball's moving and they can do analytics around it. They can watch the, vi- watch the play, and then they could say, that was a pick and roll defended of this type, there's 12 times a pick and roll, defended in this way by this set of guys, and the probability of that ball going in the basket was X. Their software can do that. And I'm thinking, this is really cool. What if, when, particularly when people are at home watching on television, or on the internet, really, in the future, or today? The internet. Yeah, because who knows? Some people think it's on their app. Some people think it's in their browser. Some people think it's on their TV. But when people are watching over a TCP IP connection, you say, hmm, what if we could actually diagram what plays are going on because they can recognize it in real time? What if we can flash your fantasy points right on your player so you can be seeing what that was worth to you? What if... Uh, We could show the probability of a shot going in. And frankly, with a few high-def cameras in the arena, what if we could synthesize the view from a player's perspective? So you could say, you're at home, and I want to see the game the way Chris Paul sees the game. I want to see the game the way DeAndre Jordan is when he's above the rim, pounding down. I'm a baller, man. I just want to see the game the way the guys who are playing it. We can synthesize that. The software will be able to do that. All you need is a few high-def cameras in the arena and the right software. So I get all jazzed up about what's possible. And,
0: all right, um, let's show this thing. Yeah, let's show it now. It's like yeah, I'm going a little crazy. All right, all right. Go ahead. So we'll give
1: you a little bit of a sense. So go
0: ahead. You've got
1: to roll the video. There we go. Normal. Watch the game now. Pick, roll, pop, boom. let me go to the next one. You can see the play. You can see the fantasy points over the guys' heads as they get through. You can see the regions on the floor and where people might chew them. What just happened? What if you're watching with your kids and you want a little bit of animation in the game? Timeline. See what happened across the whole game. You can query for your own highlights. I want to see Blake Griffin dunks. Boom. That's all you want to see and that's the product we have coming to market. We'll be in beta test in our 2017 season, and we'll be live in our 2018 season.
0: So people will watch this from night. Well done, you could be a, you could be a. Yeah,
1: people, I like your... people will sit in their, in their house and watch on their TV, yeah. We'll watch on their tablet, will watch on their phone, will right. watch on their PC.
0: Okay, as a non-sports person, doesn't yeah. this take the sports out of sports? Like if you're like, it's a 20% chance of going in, don't you want to kind of wait for that? What is the look you're giving? Oh, you?
1: I would. Look, oh, you're not a sports fan, that's all yeah. I'm really think. All say. right. I'm agreeing with you, kind of with this sort of vapid expression. Okay. No, I exactly want to. God darn it, why didn't? Uh, I'll take somebody else's player. Why didn't LeBron make that pass? Yeah. He should have made the pass. He had a 62% chance. Oh, he dunked the ball himself anyway. All right, I guess he made the right decision. I, I think it would be, yeah, I, uh, look, well, I'm a numbers nerd, but I'm also kind of a basketball nerd. Right. But that's why we say we can design these things so you can pick. I want a fun view. I want a kid's view. I want a view so you can explain the that, game is that to grandma thing. or yeah. somebody who's new to the sport. Yeah. Right. How
2: right. are you selling this? Because all the rights, the rights are tied up for the next eight years, right? The national
1: rights are tied up. National rights. Our local rights, have? we have a deal with Fox locally and on our local rights we have a way to be in beta test and then figure out whether we want to go to market together with this thing in
0: 2018 and when you when you're doing this do you ever imagine a day when you don't need actual players
1: <laughs> i mean no no robot you know, all these esports dudes they think they, they can imagine a day where it's just a bunch of guys playing video games right. and i guess that, that Robots. might happen robot. the energy the charisma of the guys I'm not real worried about this getting sort of virtualized out of existence. This is a home experience, though, and I
2: know you want people, you love, you hate to see the opposing team fans in your arena. Aren't your fans just going to be sitting at home watching this on their local
1: TV instead of in the game? Is that a concern? Why are you here at this conference?
0: <laughs> no, we don't know.
1: Why, why don't you guys just sit home and watch it on the screen? I know why you're here. Because it's the energy, it's talking to other people, it's feeling the emotion, what's really going on. Ha ha. Do people laugh? Ha ha. <laughs> <People, laughs> no, people like human interaction and right, excitement and right. enthusiasm. I'm not worried about do the Do you want in, it in arena.
0: the arena, this stuff where because you know Ted Leonsis and Mark Cuban have talked about this, that you're in your seat, and of course everyone now is staring at their phones during We hate that. What do you do? We,
1: Hate that do you vacuum. jam
0: them? What do you want them to do? Well, what,
1: what, what I really would like—I yeah. think the augmented reality stuff has a lot of possibilities in arena. Okay. You can have your head up instead of having your head down. Right. You can be seeing the same kind of experience if you want to see that information coming to you. So you're wearing you want to look a head your, thing. Yeah, because I think over time the head things will make sense. I mean, we started this Hololens thing with Microsoft. Yeah. I do think those concepts of uh, virtual, re- of augmented reality, will happen. I mean, what we're talking about on on our service that we talked about, it's kind of virtual reality if we can tell you what the game looks like from Chris Paul's perspective. Mm -hmm. But in the arena, I think if people want this kind of stuff, the last thing we really want is everybody's heads down and they're not cheering and they're not providing the kind of the... Emotional mm. that you know mm. helps our team. I guess those were clenched fists. And I like they? it. Yeah. Yes, they
0: were. They were. But you provide that. Um, so, but you but you would like them to wear things like in the, that you do foresee like that glasses.
1: I glasses. foresee it. We are not close to that in terms of what the tech's just not light enough, good enough, and sort of seamless enough that you know walking with a big old headset. Yeah. Not going to happen in no. the near time future. But I prefer to do that than do these kinds of things where people want to put screens and seats and all that kind of junk.
2: Are you building, you're building an arena or you want to build an arena? Have uh, said? I have
1: said we're open. We're thinking about building a uh, new arena. Uh, you know, We are the third tenant at Staples Center. It might be nice for us to have our, our yeah. own home here in Los Angeles. Uh, our lease runs through 2024. But when we build it, of course, We've got to ask the question what is the most important thing about the tech? The thing I would say mostly mm-hmm. is the food. Mo- no, the food's pretty important <laughs> how you order it. But I think most the times when you design a building, you design it with today's technology in mind and not tomorrow's and that's particularly bad in arenas. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, think about, I guess I saw that, is steel Steelcase that's one of the sponsors mm-hmm. your show? Yeah. The Steelcase guys have to be really thoughtful. You don't want to do all this cabinetry with built-in X, Y, and Z. It gets obsolete in three, four years. Right. You yeah. want to think about how do you let technology come into your building without building your, your building in such a way that you can't be tech flexible for the next 10 to 20 years.
0: Okay, we're gonna to get to questions, but I want to ask one more question. When you look back on Microsoft, I want I you to talk about one thing you think you, you did wrong, and then the second thing is what you would do now, today, not at Microsoft particularly, but throughout the tech industry. Where do you think you called it yeah. incorrectly?
1: I'll, I'll give you the principle. And you know, I had some, yeah, a principle that I'd say I probably had more than one thing I regret on this. Companies get successful with an idea with talent around the idea, and with capability as a company to do the, to execute on the idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, turns out if you want to have a second idea uh, that is different than the first, you may need new talent, but you also need new capability. And you don't get new capability overnight. So if you're lucky enough to invent the first thing and invent the second thing before nobody else does, then you can build up new capability. Uh, but... I think I was too slow in cases to recognize the need for new capability and particularly in hardware. Mm-hmm. I wish we had built the capability to be a world-class hardware company because the new, one of the new expressions of software is essentially the hardware. Mm-hmm. And I think we came to that later than I think. The company should have built, under my leadership, should have built that capability earlier than we did. It's got a different business model. It's got a different delivery model. Uh, right now, Microsoft's making the transition in terms of new capability being the cloud. That one I think we did right when I was at Microsoft, and I think Satya Nadella's done a good job you know, sort of taking that to a whole level I couldn't have imagined when I worked there. But new capability, is, a, is it's hard to even understand. I, 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 the analogy I, I use, I've taught this little leadership class at, at Stanford in business school, is it's like getting in the weight room. You may not know exactly how you're gonna use your new capability, but you gotta be stronger. Right, you gotta learn But capability
0: new- is a word for mobile, is that correct or not? Hardware. Hardware, okay. I'd say
1: hardware overall. Okay. The thing I would say we missed with phone is we tried to use the old techniques, software licensing, blah, blah, blah. We tried to use all the same techniques, and the same techniques were never gonna get us there. We had the wrong monetization model, we had the wrong delivery model, all of that and it's because we didn't build new capability in the cloud I give you exactly the opposite answer we built the new capability and it served the company well now the company is building uh, we started when I was there and they've done a good job building up the hardware capability uh, I was in a Microsoft research review years ago and some of the research said look at the end of the day there's only going to be silicon in the cloud everything on the client will get built into silicon and everything else will be in the cloud and that was the wake-up call for me to say, darn, we really have to be good at this hardware stuff and this cloud stuff. Uh, when I left, we were talking about devices and services as a mantra. Yeah, and really, for me, what that meant is new capabilities, a hardware capability and a cloud capability.
0: Okay. All right. Question.
3: I want to jump back to, the, to USA Facts for a second. Um, I think the idea of consolidating the data, making it easier to read. That's great, yay, um, all in favor of that. And you know, to hook yeah. it up with the VR thing, we're actually showing some of the same data in VR outside there. But m- my experience as a long time data nerd like yourself is that most people are not particularly impressed when you present them with raw data, even if it is nicely curated and nicely visualized. And I think you demonstrated that yourself by not just showing us USA Facts, but instead presenting it to us as a story, right? right? You showed us slides, and then you told us the story. And so I'm curious, you know, D- Dean said before, he said, I think we assumed our readers knew stuff, that we were wrong in assuming that they brought to the table the context that they had. So, it. so, question. so my question is, what are you doing to actually bring this to people who aren't already looking for it? Because I think that's the gr- vast majority of people.
1: I, I think you're right, actually. Uh, I thought job one was to get it done. And created for the people who would would be sort of interested enough to get there. Now our next challenge, other than filling out the data sets, is trying to create the right way to bring information together. Not that tells a story about where things should go, but wraps the one we're working on right now is the president's proposed budget and and a spend and revenue plan. How do you bring that alive in the context of historical numbers and without we, we will be silent about whether good, bad, recommend, no recommend, but you want to be able to tell a story. Or we want to be able to work with journalists who can tell the story. We don't need to do all that work ourselves by any stretch of the imagination. I just want stuff deeply grounded in the numbers. And the thing we also believe in is deeply grounded in context. Even journalists wind up having to pick a number or two to bring something to life. I want people to be able to then drill in if they're interested in other things. Yeah. We have stuff to learn, but that's how I think about it.
0: There's a really good story in the New York Times today about Donald Trump needing everything in that kind of context easier charts. He's
1: not the only one.
0: Yeah, no, it yep. was. It was essentially uh, intelligence you, for dummies. You
1: guys remember that Ross Perot stuff? What? He didn't have it all wrong with that stuff. We're trying to figure out if we can yeah. Ross Perotize a little bit what we've got right. to get to a broader yeah, that's audience. That's
0: a fair point with his charts and yeah. stuff like that. Right.
3: Hey, Steve, John Ford from CNBC. You seem to be really flirting with doing journalism here. I mean, you got USA Facts. You like Twitter, distributing information. Why don't you just take the plunge? Build or buy a news organization.
0: I just told him to write a check to the New York Times. I mean,
3: you're talking about telling stories with the data? I mean, come on.
1: Uh, what do you think of baby not asking? how I think about it, but I, I accept the perspective uh, that you all bring to this. It's just not kind of the way I I think about it. Uh, I also look between between the work we will continue to do on USA Facts and the work, uh, the focus my wife and I have on making sure, you know, not making sure, being part of the process to try to enable every kid in this country to have an opportunity at the American dream. To borrow an expression, you want to make America great again? Give every kid in America an opportunity to the American dream. Yeah.
0: So, so you're not going to buy a newspaper. What do you think about Bezos doing it?
1: I think Jeff manages to juggle a lot of things. Mm-hmm. I like my little world of a few things that I can really get my hands around, but but power to him. All right.
3: Uh, what do you believe your greatest contribution to the Clippers is outside of capital? And is there a sense of top-down management within the organization?
1: Uh, yeah, there is a little bit. I mean, look, if you're going to make a big player decision, you got to get the owner bought in. Okay, let's commit $200 million to this guy. $200 million. That's a pretty good product development effort any place. You know, we're going to make a $200 million commitment. So I won't say I drive. Our, our Doc Rivers, Lawrence Frank, our GM, they drive, but I can't say I'm a hands-off. It's just, can't, you can't say you're just hands-off on issues like that. Because I like numbers, I do like talking to our capologists about what's possible. I mean, in a sense, building an NBA roster is a little bit of a sort of a math jigsaw puzzle. I enjoy that. I can't tell you whether this guy's a better player than that guy, but I can tell you, this salary, can it work with this one? Can it work with that one? The guys who do that for us, we have a PhD physicist, postdoc we hired, and a guy who was a, a very lightweight pro basketball player, became a math teacher, and it's fun to kind of get in there and wrestle around in the numbers a little bit with those guys. What's the biggest disagreement you've had with uh, Doc Rivers? Uh, biggest disagreement. We had a lot of, the, 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 I won't say disagreement, it wasn't, but the thing that we chewed on the most is whether we should trade for his son. That had to be my decision as much. I mean, I couldn't ever say no, that was Doc's call. You trade for your own son. It was the best trade we've made since I've been involved with the team. Worked out really well. But I gave that one a real Roto-Rooter, if you will. Cavs or Warriors? Cavs or Warriors in the NBA Finals? Come on, we're in the West. Go Cavs! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, <laughs> Everybody hears from the valley. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Stick with them when they're not winning, too. Otherwise, I'll consider you a front runner fan. <laughs> all right.
0: But you know, what would a Microsoft person say? <laughs> all right, go hey,
3: ahead. Uh, uh, hey, Steve Crawford, Delprecht from IDC. Um, <clears throat> so, thinking about you as uh, Clip Clippers owner, look, you all as owners, go ahead with me 15 years. Al Davis had a legacy, George Steinbrenner had a legacy. Think about it. What do you want your legacy to be and your contribution to
1: the game? All right, good last question. Yeah, it's a good last question. Uh, Number one, I don't think you get to have a legacy unless you win a lot of championships. I mean, just be honest, you're just another guy who owned a basketball team unless you actually win some championships. If we win some championships, then I want my legacy to be that we really led people into the new world of experiencing the game. You know, the kinds of stuff we talked about, as important as they are in the U.S., we, need, we have a product that, frankly, is hard to consume if you're in China, if you're in Europe. We're on at inconvenient parts of the day. So we really have to work hard. When you know the score, to make somebody want to watch the game, and that's going to require a lot of tech to get there. But you only get a chance to have a legacy after you've won a bunch of titles. Sten, Steinbrenner, Davis, Balmer, I hope. Put us on the list, because we're going to down, go down battling on that one.
0: All right, Steve, Balmer, thank you so Thanks.
1: much. Appreciate it. Uh, 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 uh,
0: Thanks for listening to Recode Replay.